You're listening to 340B Unscripted. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to 340B Unscripted. My name is Greg Wilson. I'm here with Rod Nahoopi, and we've got a bonus episode this week, Rob. Yes, we do. It's been a exciting, not in a positive way, week with 340B with a lot going on. And um, as anyone can guess, we're going to be talking about um, FAQ 4301 and um, everything that goes around that. So exciting update today. I feel like Every, every day there's you know something that we have to come back to and readdress because of all the the changes we've you know talked about the public uh public health the the phe can't even think of what it's called now it's just my brain is so so fried from this week <laughs> phe expired we talked a little bit about that during our episode 19 and some of the provisions that would go away uh as a result of the public health emergency expiring um one thing that we initially assumed was not going to go away was FAQ 4301. And uh, as you heard or listened to, Rob gave an update midweek uh, that HRSA changed their uh, tune around that particular FAQ. So let's let's kind of stop and trace back the origins of FAQ 4301. So back in June of 2020, HRSA uh, through Apexis published an FAQ numbered 4301 that essentially clarified HRSA's interpretation around the timing of a new outpatient department's eligibility. The FAQ essentially stated that if you had new outpatient departments that weren't reflected on your most recently filed cost report and had not been registered on OPACE yet, that HRSA recognized those as those departments as um, immediately eligible Hospitals could implement 340B operations in those departments immediately, and once the cost report is filed, follow the process for uh, uh, registering those departments on um, the OPA database to have them listed as registered child sites. Huge um, advantage or positive development for 340B covered entities at the time. It was right in the midst of the COVID pandemic, the first wave of the pandemic, the plain language of the FAQ didn't reference the PAG and HRSA had confirmed through some communication via Apexis to uh, various clients and vendors that the FAQ was essentially part of 340B canon. If we've got science fiction fans out there, it was part of the permanent interpretation of eligible child sites alleviated the lengthy delay that historically covered entities would experience when they opened up a new department and had to wait for the OPA's registration um, to get those those locations eligible for 340B. Sometimes that 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 lag would be anywhere from nine to 22 months. Um, so really, uh, I think a, a pragmatic approach to child site eligibility and something that had long been uh, debated, right, Rob? Absolutely. And, and honestly, from our perspective, when we heard that, it's like, this makes total sense. We don't know why it didn't happen sooner. It really doesn't make sense when you have a new hospital outpatient department, why it has to wait so long uh, to use 340B since it's eligible. And, and especially if it's within the four walls and you're subject to the GPO prohibition, it meant that you have to actually buy whack for that unit. Uh, yeah, it's more a new infusion center. It's It was kind of bonkers that uh, we had to have that that delay in the first place. Yeah, re really, uh, just I can think back to my time working in the, the covered entity space, like the, the logistical hurdles of having to kind of have a new outpatient department open, but like delay your implementation, just really uh, operationally and financially um, 
cumbersome to to work through. So I think everybody recognizes a really uh, reasonable approach that Hearst is taking regarding uh, child side eligibility. The one key thing that they made the point of it, it didn't get rid of some of the previous guidance and, and, and rules around registration of child sites because it separated qualification from registration. They're still saying you have to be on a filed cost report, and that still exists today. You just because you consider it eligible and if it's offsite doesn't mean you can register it. So you still have some operational issues around if you need a separate 340B account, how are you going to make that happen? But but the point of it being eligible, even if not registerable, was the key here. And 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 I and again, I feel that makes total sense. Yeah. So the weekend leading up to the expiration of the PHE, so the public health emergency expired on May 11th. That weekend, 340B report published an article that indicated that uh, it was their understanding that HRSA was essentially rescinding the FAQ 4301, stating that that was uh, now uh, an FAQ that was published in the context of the public health emergency, and that particular flexibility would go away upon the expiration of the PHE. And Apexis confirmed that through communications as covered entities and vendors were reaching out to Apexis on Monday and Tuesday of that week. Uh, Apexis provided some instruction to covered entities that, yes, HRSA now you know, uh, will uh, essentially retire that FAQ after May 11th, and covered entities need to stop purchasing 340B drugs or stop qualifying prescription out of those unregistered locations after 511, unless, again, they are on the Medicare cost report and registered as child sites. So uh, essentially 180 degree turn from from the original uh, published FAQ back in June of 2020. Well, and we should point out and within four days of the COVID PHE ending, yeah. which is not a lot of time to implement these changes and, and some of these pretty big operational changes that uh, were going to actually cause quite a bit of financial harm to covered entities um, that would have to reverse course and possibly buy in whack for an extended period of time. Yeah, so very little notice, um, major policy change being implemented by HRSA. Um, creating an incredible amount of uh, churn in the 340B waters. I know we've had lots of clients that we work with and uh, folks in the 340B community kind of reaching out to us, looking for our, our thoughts on this. Um, and as of today, we're recording this on Friday, uh, May 12th. It looks like there's been a, yet another update. We saw a uh, bulletin provided by 340B Health, where it appears that HRSA now is softening their stance. Uh, this morning, the FAQ 4301 was removed from uh, the Apexis FAQ page, but apparently HRSA has given um, Apexis instruction to no longer tell covered entities that they need to stop purchasing 340B drugs in these unregistered departments. So the FAQ is no longer posted on the Apexis website, but Apexis is now no longer giving covered entities instruction to stop 340B purchasing in the new department. So essentially taking a silent approach to this issue of uh, unregistered eligible departments that are not yet on the filed cost report. Is that right, Rob? That's correct. It, it does. It does feel like they're kind of moving into a more neutral area, right? Not being so prescriptive about it. And I really think keeping the door open um, is what they're doing. And and you know what we don't know is what what types of pressures Hearst is getting, um, you know, from from various maybe government agencies or you know pharmaceutical manufacturers. We just don't know, right? We're not privy to that information. All we know is is to your point, the COVID PHE page was um, removed from OPA's website. Uh, the FAQ forty three hundred one is removed. 
And now we're hearing that Apexis will no longer be giving this kind of more uh, strict guidance. Um, I'm saying guidance, but just information during an Apexis answers response, not even published publicly. And what's What's really important here is if you read the new um, page on OPA, it's the front page if you go to OPA's website, it doesn't mention this at all. It just talks about the fact that COVID PHA is ending. They don't get into the details of what's ending or what's changed or reminding people. They just, the information is just gone. So it's sort of silent. Yep. And, um, and you know, I just do want to thank, um, you know, all our colleagues out there, not only our covered entities we work with, they've been covered entities that we don't work with just to share information. And also, you know, we partner with a lot of law firms. And I won't call any out because there's some really good ones out there, but, but, you know, they have conversations with us and one in particular reached out and, and just, we, we talked for a good time this morning, just about this and what should covered entities be doing. And this is prior to um, 340 B health reporting the, the softening of the language and had a really good conversation with one of the uh, 340 B attorneys out there. And, and, um, and, and we had some good points about the fact that the, the fact that Hearst is being silent and not putting anything out publicly is actually a sign. You know, they, yeah. this is where Hersa might be saying, look, this this is a gray area, right? There There isn't actual guidance or, or sorry, there's guidance. There isn't rules or statute that specifically kind of address this area. So I think they're leaving it open somewhat for covered entities to determine um, what's the right course of action for them, right? So I think this is where, you know, as we kind of rethink this whole process, the fact that Apexis is no longer going to be telling people they have to stop buying, I think it boils back down to you as a covered entity needing to decide what you think the statute says. And so this is where you, you're going to want to get legal and compliance involved. But from our perspective, it, it really, and this is, again, you need to get legal or compliance advice on this one. But from our perspective, with that door being somewhat open now, um, I think you can interpret the fact that qualification of a 340B site is different from registration. Mm -hmm. And one key thing, whenever you do something like this, where the statute's sort of silent on it, but it's not against it, is you do need to clearly um, articulate that in your policy and procedures. Make sure, again, that's reviewed by compliance and legal and make sure everyone's on board with that. And then you have that defensive strategy or de defense, defense mechanism in place during a hearse audit that says, the statute doesn't actually talk about this. Here's what we put in our policy and procedure, and we're following our policy and procedure. And then it really it's going to be up to HRSA whether how they're going to what they're going to do with that, right? Are they going to make it an AFI? Are they going to say you really should be on the cost report, or are they going to make it a finding and then you challenge it and then it gets reversed, or is it going to be a finding and you challenge it and it doesn't get reversed and then for you to resolve it you might have to um, have a lawsuit against HRSA for it and then they might get reversed. And we don't know the detail which it's going to be. Yeah. But the softening of the language at least leads me to believe, and this is just Rob speaking um, out loud, uh, you know, not, not that I heard this from Hearst or anybody else, that more than likely it probably won't end up being a finding or the finding can get challenged if you have the right nomenclature in your policy procedure. So that's my current thought process until we learn more. And so because we're the day after the COVID PHE ending and people are trying to figure out, are we really not buying 340B today? I think people really need to and I know we're probably going to release this early next week. Uh, we've got some, um, uh, you know, we've got to do our, uh, have Aiden really do do her her work on on printing this up for us. But, um, but yeah, as you're hearing this, really think about that and and where you feel in that continuum. And, and you know, again, consulting your legal compliance, your consultants, whoever they may be, and have these good open dialogues and conversation about what's the best thing for your covered entity. Yeah, great, great thoughts. Um, yeah, yeah, clearly. You know, I think looking at policy and procedures operationally, first thing, one of the first things is, you know, do you have provisions in your policy that would allow you to implement 340B in child sites that are not yet uh, on the cost report and registered? You know, also another thing that HRSA looks at in the setting of the HRSA audit, and they could potentially do this during uh, 
you know, maybe recertification as part of a desk audit is looking at the trial balance crosswalk. So making sure that these offsite departments that are eligible by virtue of having outpatient and uh, revenue and expense booked on a cost center uh, that's going to roll up on the Medicare cost report. You want to make sure you're kind of delineating, delineating that both in policy and in your, uh, your working trial balance crosswalk. Um, but certainly a, um, a hot topic to take back to those that are responsible for providing some, some legal guidance at, at your organization in terms of whether or not you proceed as is with implementing in these new unregistered locations. There seems to be uh, a window of opportunity to continue as is based on HRSA not taking a very uh, structured stance in the published guidance that's out there. Yeah, no, definitely agree. And, and you know, and, and it's true, right? It's, it's, um, the situation will change if, if HRSA does publish anything or if we see a new FAQ, then we're going to have to kind of go back and assess that in light of everything else. But based on a lack of information today and, and what we've heard so far coming out of 340, and again, thank you to 340B Health, 340 Report, all the law firms, everyone who participates in collecting the information and sharing it. It's, you know, 340B has always been this kind of industry where the statute doesn't have a ton of information. And so the interpretations and what Hearst is doing and, you know, what Apexis um, FAQs are and, and Apexis answers saying all becomes very uh, relevant in how we shape and how we, you know, run the 340B program. And so it almost is, it's really 340B takes a village. And I think that's what we saw this week from just all the different um, people involved with 340B coming together and trying to identify how do we handle this situation and make it as yeah. less impactful for our covered entities so it's less impactful for our patients. So it's it's been a it's been an exhausting week. I'll say that much. I think we got a shout out to the folks at Apexis that man the call center. I can't imagine how crazy a week it's been for them. I don't know if any of those folks listen to us, but I know they've always been very helpful. Anytime I've reached out to them, you know, they're delivering the message of policy that's crafted by OPA. They're not you know, developing the policy themselves. So, you know, I think covered entities that are trying to get information from Apexis, just keep that in mind. Those guys are delivering the message and, you know, something like this probably creates just incredible amount of, uh, of, of consternation and chaos within the, uh, the working structure of Apexis Answers. So thanks to those guys for, for being available and, and, and being patient as, as folks reach out with, with lots of questions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really appreciate what Apexis does out there. It's uh, They've got a tough job. Let's be honest. They have a tough job because they do have to make sure what they say lines up with, with HRSA and, and we can appreciate that. And sometimes that means they they you know they have to present what what they've been asked to present and and sometimes it changes and that that's what we're seeing this week so yeah. and sometimes um, it's bad news for covered entities and i think covered entities are already struggling with you know the fallout of the pandemic and the contract pharmacy restrictions i mean tensions are running high out in the provider space so you know to hear a, a thing like FAQ 4301 going away probably generated a lot of um, discouragement and, and maybe anger amongst the the covered entities that were reaching out to to Pexis for help so absolutely absolutely and, and and Greg we should point out I think um, one thing we're going to be working on this week and is um, just sending an update um, kind of by email to our client base um, so you'll be getting that um, if, if you're a current client of spend and pharmacy if you're not and you're interested in that um, you can reach out we'll go ahead and send that out to you as well but if you're a current client and you're on our distribution list you'll be getting kind of an update with this information kind of written out for you to consider and and think about and our goal is to hopefully get that out on Monday. Um, so do look for that then. And um, and also we always like to say, if you have any other takes or any other thoughts or questions, send them in because that way we can address them um, on our, you know, at the beginning of our next podcast or, or you know, via other mechanisms that we get information out on.
Yeah, absolutely. Our, we've got an email. It's 340B unscripted at spendmen.com. We'd love to hear uh, from folks who have thoughts or, or concerns or questions around this topic and any 340B topic. So so please reach out if, if you're interested in chatting about 340B. All right, Rob, maybe we take a break for the weekend, catch our breath and start again on Monday. Sounds good, Greg. Have a great weekend and uh, talk to you next time. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to 340B Unscripted. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.